Hello, everybody, and welcome to Uncork the Sun with the Vinstitute Wine School. I'm your host, Moss Shokogel, or as I'm more commonly referred to, huh? I'm recording this episode on September 9th, and yesterday was the conclusion of the Half-Corked Marathon Roadshow. Now, we talked about the Half-Corked Marathon a couple of episodes ago when I did an interview with Jennifer Bussman, the director of the Oliver Soyuz Winery Association. And we talked at that time about how the Half Cork Marathon this year is a mixed reality festival, combining digital aspects of interaction with physical aspects of interaction. The main course digitally is looming as we speak. September 12th through September 23rd are the 12 days of Half Corked Marathon, in which we're going to see a video compilation put together from all the different wineries in Oliver Soyuz wine country, celebrating various aspects of viticulture and winemaking and wine appreciation. And the physical aspect of interaction was the Half Cork Marathon Roadshow. 17 days of Jennifer and the other organizers of the Half Cork Marathon driving from town to town, meeting the participants, delivering race packs, swag bags. Included was all kinds of good stuff, but um, the chief highlight, in my opinion, was food. If there's something I love even more than wine, or board games, or my children, I guess, it's food. And every participant this time around received uh, what was being called a wine country tasting pack from some of our friends at Oliver Eats, which is an absolutely fantastic uh, delicatessen inside the town of Oliver. These tasting packs were specifically designed to give people a, a little bit of everything that they would need for some try it at home DIY wine and food pairings. It's natural for people to want to combine their wine with food. But the unfortunate reality that uh, a lot of people accidentally stumble into is that you can't just pick a food you like and a wine you like and necessarily expect for that to be a perfect pairing. I mean, we do say a lot within the wine industry, the best wine is the wine you enjoy. It doesn't matter what kind of grape it is. It doesn't matter how it's made. If you like it, then it's good. But that basic premise is not true for food and wine pairings. Because sometimes you take something that you like, like a spicy salmon mackey roll, and something else you like, like a big, rich, tannic red meritage. And you put those together, and they are bad. <laughs> For lack of a better word. But why? Why? Why do two good things not always make a third better thing? And the answer, as it usually is, to everyone's disappointment, is because of science. It's because of molecules, and it's because of taste buds, and it's because of aroma compounds, and it's because of, you know, all this stuff that honestly we don't really need to get much into. But there are some rules behind it. There is a method to the madness, and hopefully I can give you a little bit of insight today in this episode that will answer your questions of why. Today we talk about the rules of food and wine pairing. If you do a quick Google search for food and wine pairing, then you get 292 million results, which to be perfectly honest is lower than I thought it was going to be. But it's still a high number. That's because this is a topic that people keep coming back to again and again and again. You see, every wine website or every wine magazine 
scrolling down here in the Google page, it's uh, foodandwine.com, winespectator.com, winemag.com, decanter.com, my favorite, winefolly.com. Nine tips for pairing wine and food. Fifteen rules for great wine and food pairings. The ten rules of food and wine pairing. It goes on and on and on. Which I guess is also me telling you that if you're a visual learner, you can just turn off this podcast and go read one of these articles and probably get everything I'm about to tell you right now. But what I'm trying to highlight is that this is a very common question to ask about. And everybody will tell you something a little bit different, but fundamentally it all comes down to the same basic principles. All of these different lists and guides, they all just really boil down to understanding how the technical balance of your wine interacts with the technical balance of your food. And what I hope that you'll discover is that a lot of it is really quite intuitive. In order to get started here, we first need to talk about the basic flavors that a human mouth can experience and interpret. There are five basic tastes, and everybody's heard about at least four of them. There is sweetness, there is sourness, there is saltiness, there's bitterness, and there is savoriness. That fifth one, savory, is often also referred to as umami, which is the Japanese term for it, since it was identified by a Japanese chemist. Every one of these different five flavors can be experienced by any part of the tongue. It's a, uh, it's a common myth that only certain parts of the tongue can detect certain flavors, that sweetness is experienced in a certain place, sourness is experienced in a certain place. But in fact, any taste bud that you have on your tongue can perceive any of these five flavors. But of course, everybody has different levels of sensitivity. Some people are quite hardened against things like bitterness or acidity, and they can take high levels of it without really reacting, in the same way that some other people might be very sensitive to them. Something that I, I find really interesting about these tastes is the idea that humans tend to enjoy flavors that are good for them, that are, that are evolutionarily prosperous for them. What I mean is that People tend to enjoy sweet tastes because sweetness indicates the presence of carbohydrates. It's calories, it's saccharides, which is direct energy for the body. You know, our tongue is telling us that this is good. At the same time, we have a hesitance towards bitter tastes or acidic tastes, both of which in nature can indicate danger. Bitterness can be related to toxicity. And acidity, sourness, can be an indication of under-ripeness in fruit, or it can indicate uh, a spoiling of food. So to some degree, the things that we like, and then the things that we're a little bit challenged by, a lot of the time are, are informed by the things that our body is trained to want or to be cautious of. Even out in nature, if you're uh, picking berries, there are these great kind of uh, survivalist guidelines that say that white berries, yellow berries are almost always inedible or toxic. Red berries are it's about a bit of a 50-50 shot. You know, half the time they're edible, half the time you don't want to eat them. But dark berries, blueberries or blackberries, tend to be more often than not, you know, maybe 9 out of 10 times, are edible. And there's a link between the sweetness and the color. The dark-colored berries tend to be sweeter with lower acid levels, and the red berries tend to have higher acid and lower sweetness. So again, maybe there's something in our brain saying that, ooh, this berry tastes a little bit tart. Maybe it's a little less safe. This dark berry is tasting nice and sweet. It's probably okay to eat. I feel as a disclaimer, I should point out that if you are listening to this, you should not go out into the woods and just pick random berries and eat them. But if worse comes to worse, at the very least, your body is trying to give you some guidelines. 
But of course, part of being a human being is overriding our evolutionary mechanisms because we don't care. My genetic code is not the boss of me, and it can't tell me what to do. Which means I like bitter flavors, and I like acidic flavors. I think they taste good, especially when put into the right combinations. Now, all five of those basic flavors, your sweetness, your sourness, your saltiness, your bitterness, and your umami, your savoriness, all of those are readily experienced in food, but not all of them are present in wine. Saltiness, for example, you just don't see in wine. It doesn't come up. Bitterness and savoriness, they can appear, but with much less frequency and less intensity than you would find them in food. So for wine, the big ones are sweetness and acidity. But there are some other factors in wine. So for food, we break it down into the five categories. But for wine, we break it into four categories. We look at sweetness. We look at acidity. We look at tannin, which isn't the same as bitterness. It can sometimes present as bitterness or something similar to bitterness, but it is kind of its own thing. It isn't a flavor so much as it is a texture. And the fourth aspect of wine that we look at when pairing with food is alcohol. It's actually a little bit sweet, uh, but it has this heat to it, this burning sensation that once again is less of a flavor and more of a feeling, more of a biological reaction. So because the technical categories of food and the technical categories of wine uh, don't quite match up, you need to do a little bit of conversion. And when you're doing food and wine pairings, you either start with the wine or you start with the food. Let's start by talking about the wine first. Let's say that you've just ordered a few bottles of wine from an Oliver Soyuz winery. Or you've picked up your racing pack from the Half Corked Marathon 2020, and you've got some wine inside there. And you want to try to figure out, okay, I have this wine, I want to eat some food with it, what is going to go well? Well, let's start with acid. If you have a wine that's higher acid, it actually opens up a lot of pairing options. Because despite everything that I was just saying a few minutes ago, acid is not always a sign of rotting food, contaminated meat, or underripe berries. In contemporary cooking and cuisine, acid is freshness. It's crispness. It's vigor and liveliness. And I have no doubt that a lot of the foods that you enjoy are heightened and improved by the addition of some acidity. You're making salad dressing, you always put in some vinegar, some lemon juice, something to add a little bit of acid. You're eating fish or seafood, you want to have lemon or lime, you want to have that citrus, that little hint of acid. And so imagine that your wine is serving the same role as that wedge of lemon on the side. That means that a higher acid wine goes well with uh, oil or fat. The reason that citrus and seafood go well together is because seafood tends to be fatty. It tends to have this rich protein. And the acidity kind of cuts through it a little bit. It lends a bit of freshness to the palate. An amazing pairing combination that I've tried again and again and again is uh, Riesling with battered fish, with fish and chips. Nicely battered white fish. You've got that crispy, oily outside. You've got that fatty inside. Put that together with a clean, crisp, dry Riesling. Magnificent combo. Another thing that acid pairs well with is salt, for similar reasons. Saltiness needs a bit of freshness to balance it, or else it's overwhelming. 
I know we're staying within seafood here, but sparkling wine together with oysters, that sort of briny oyster on the half shell, I, it's, it's a classic combination, champagne and oysters, and it's classic for a reason. The third thing that acid goes really well with is other acid, as long as the food doesn't have quite as much acid as the wine. You want your wine to have the dominant acidity. It's actually a really common theme that you're going to see recurring again with these pairings. You want your wine to be a little more intense than your food, because if the food is more acidic than your wine, it's going to overshadow or, or make the wine seem pale. You want your wine to be the element of freshness that highlights and brings out the flavor in the food, as opposed to the food making the wine look weak. So a good combination there would be, say, a mildly acidic red, like a Gamay Noir, paired together with a tomato sauce pasta, right? You've got acid in both. The Gamay is maybe just a little bit more acidic than the tomatoes, but the two are going to go together almost perfectly. Now, last thing to remember if you have a higher acid wine is something it should not be paired with. If you were combining different foods, what is something that you would not put together with vinegar or lemon juice? Eh? Ah, I have a suggestion of something you should not combine with lemon juice. The answer is milk. Creamy, rich, lactic foods together with acid can literally curdle in your mouth. And even if it's not that dramatic, the flavor combination is, is often um, uh, less than favorable. But you can certainly try it. All of these uh, rules that I'm, that I'm giving here are um, recommendations, they're guidelines. In fact, there are plenty of foods that combine dairy with acid. You just have to do it very carefully. Okay, let's move on from acid to the next element in wine. Let's talk about sweetness. What if you have a slightly sweeter wine? Uh, you know, an off-dry red blend, or a sweet Germanic white, or even a, a straight-up dessert wine. What do you do with that? Well, when I say dessert wine, people always want to have dessert wine with dessert. Makes sense, right? It's called dessert wine. You think of it like a uh, after-dinner drink. But consider the other type of drinks that you would normally have after dinner. You have things like coffee. You have spirits like brandy that have a hint of sweetness to them, but they're not terribly sweet. And it's because pairing sweetness with sweetness, if you have a sweet drink with a sweet dessert, it can get really overwhelming really fast. So you can absolutely have a dessert wine alongside a dessert, as long as you follow the same rule that we talked about with acid. You want the wine to be more intense than the food. A nice combination is ice wine together with honeyed nuts or dark chocolate truffles that have a hint of bitterness to them. You're allowed to have some sweetness in your dessert food, but make sure that the wine is sweeter than it if you are doing sweet with sweet. Or if you don't necessarily have that crazy of a sweet tooth and you want to actually temper a little bit of the sweetness of the wine, now we're talking, you want to get into something that's either salty or spicy. A classic combination would be something like port with blue cheese. Even if you are not a fan of blue cheese, pairing blue cheese with dessert wine is magnificent because the cheese is salty. It has this savory, salty tone, and the sweetness just binds together with it, and it, and it keeps anything from being too extreme. It enhances and evolves the flavor without letting anything uh, run rampant. Uh, but the other thing that sweetness goes well with is uh, spiciness, like I said. Something that you hear again and again and again when you go around to all these wineries is they'll give you a slightly sweet and an off-dry white wine, like, say, Gewürztraminer, and they'll say, you know what this goes well with? 
spicy Thai food, spicy Asian noodle dish, spicy curry. These spiced dishes are always being talked about because they work. They work really well. You know, Gewürztraminer with pad thai or Gewürztraminer with uh, with a green curry. Wonderful. Because again, that hint of sweetness will cool down the spice that's coming in. Now, what do sweet wines not go together with? What do you want to avoid? <laughs> Honestly, not much for me to say. I already told you, don't go sweet wine with sweeter food. Because that just kind of snowballs. But aside from that, sweetness, really good pairing element. Pretty easy to work with, hard to go wrong. Moving on to tannin in wine. We've talked about tannin before. Tannin is something that's brought on by exposure to grape skins or to oak barrels. It has texture. It builds up density within a wine, but it can also be grippy. It'll kind of uh, rub your cheeks raw if they haven't been aged properly. And so because tannin gives that textural experience, you have to be a little careful not to exacerbate it. Instead, you want to kind of cool it or calm it down. The ideal pairings for a tannic wine are protein and fat. You take a nice, rich, beefy cab sauve with lots of this gravelly tannin to it, and you put it together with protein. Just pure, intense meat. Or, uh, you know, something like salty soy sauce tofu, or your kind of hard, salty cheeses. Tannin and protein will bind with each other. They'll merge with each other. Tannin will help sort of break down the protein, and the protein will kind of coat the tannin and soften its impression. It'll make a rough wine taste smoother. And fat does something very similar. So red wines tend to be really good cheese pairings because they're bringing that tan into the table and the cheese is providing the fat and the protein. Now, I mentioned that tannin comes from grape skins, but it also comes from oak barrels. And so tannin often comes hand in hand with um, a flavor of toastiness, right? Coming from the toasted oak barrels. You get a heavily oaked wine, you get an oaked Cab Franc, oaked Syrah, and you get that little flavor of uh, char of toasted wood. And do you know what that goes well with? It goes well with the flavor of char and toasted wood. You want to pair that with your barbecue. A little hint of oakiness in your wine is actually a wonderful pairing for a hint of smokiness in your food. Tannin can be a very good one for your heavier dishes, but it's also one of the elements in wine that you have to be more cautious with. If sweetness is simple and you can pair it with just about anything, tannin, it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. For example, you should be careful pairing it together with fish, and it's because fish oil can actually react against tannin and taste metallic. You can get this tinny flavor. And another thing that you should avoid is uh, spice, heat, because what the heat is going to do there is it is just going to fan the flames of the tannin in your cheeks, and it's going to make it taste rougher and rougher and rougher. So tannic reds with spicy food unfortunately, are kind of a, a, a nasty combo. And that brings us to the fourth and final element of wine that we want to look at, and that is alcohol. This one is less practical, is less useful than the other three, because alcohol is a bit of a background element anyways, or at least it should be in most wines. So if you have a low to mid-level alcohol wine, you're not really going to be pairing based on it. You're going to be looking at the sweetness or the acidity or the tannin instead. The only time when it's important to consider alcohol is when the wine is high alcohol, because then you tend to notice it. If you have a fortified wine like a port, or if you have a wine that's made with dried grapes like a passamento, that's kind of like an Amarone style, 
or even just a big bold red from a hot area from a hot year like 2015, you can get up to 15, 16%. And that starts to really impact what you can do with that wine. High alcohol wines should be cautiously and carefully paired with foods. In some ways, you want to treat them a bit like tannin, in that you want to keep them away from things like spice. Spicy food with alcoholic wine? Oof! The burning is just like a volcano. But your softer foods, your fattier foods, uh, they can go nicely. They can go more, uh, more gently with your high alcohol wines. So there's your acidic wines, your sweet wines, your tannic wines, and a little bit about high alcohol wines. Now let's flip over to the other side and let's say instead of having a bottle of wine to start with, you're looking at your cellar, you're thinking, I'm making a certain dinner tonight and I want to know what wine to drink with it. If you're starting with the food, then you want to think about its features first. Is it an acidic dish? Well, we've already talked about this from the other side. If you have some acid in your food, you can put it together with an acidic wine, as long as the wine is higher acid. A wine that might seem a little bit tart on its own uh, can actually taste a lot softer when it's paired with a little bit of acid in a meal. It kind of conditions your palate, it softens the overall impact of the wine's tartness, uh, but the meal shouldn't outstrip the acidity of a wine. You shouldn't have higher acid in your food than in your wine, or else the wine might seem bland. Next, let's talk about salty foods. You're cooking up some salty food. You've got a couple great options. Let's try a sweet wine. Perfect balance. The wine is going to taste less sweet, and the food is going to taste less salty. You could also go to a, a higher acid wine, put that together with a salty meal, and that acid is going to cut right through oiliness or fattiness or saltiness. So you've got salty food, pair it together with some sweetness or some acid. Next, what if we have a sweet dish? Well, already talked about this, you put it together with sweeter wine. The sweet wine is going to highlight the sweetness of the food, so you want to make sure that you're not going too extreme, because it's going to get amplified. But if the food is sweeter than the wine, then the wine is again going to maybe taste a little bit bland or dull. Bitter foods? Once again, look for your sweetness or your acid to kind of soften those up. But acid is going to be a little bit dangerous. You want just a little bit of acid. Generally speaking, bitterness is going to go really well with sweetness. And it's not going to go so well with tannin because it's going to make the tannin taste bitter. What about savory foods? Well, you can treat them a little bit like salty foods. Sweet and acid. Perfect combos to kind of cut through the uh, beefy flavors. But when you have your savory foods, the kind of umami flavors, you can also do some nice pairings with tannin. You can get some great tannin combos by taking something like lamb and putting it together with a wine that has a lot of texture. Look at that. I told you already that if you go online, you'll find lists and lists and lists of what to do with food and wine pairings. I told you that I would compile it all down here. I looked at it from two different sides, and, and basically I wound up repeating myself for a good chunk of the ending there. There aren't really that many lessons. There's just a couple of little observations about the way flavors and textures balance against each other that you just need to consider and apply. The whole goal of food and wine pairing is to kind of create your own combinations to highlight or explore different aspects of a wine that you wouldn't necessarily taste on its own, or to allow a wine to do the same for your meal. So whether you were one of the lucky participants who received a Oliver Eats wine country tasting pack for the Half Cork Marathon, or whether you're just going to go rummage through your own cupboard tonight and pull out some almonds, bit of dark chocolate, dollop of honey, beef jerky, bit of feta cheese, couple of olives, 
there is so much that you can explore in terms of food and wine combinations. And I will reluctantly admit that no matter what I said at the beginning of this episode, ultimately, the best pairing combinations are the ones that you like. There, I said it. You win. Bon appetit. Thank you all for listening to Uncork the Sun today with me. If you want to see a, a picture of that mouth-watering wine country tasting pack from Oliver Eats, you can swing on over to the Half Corked Marathon Facebook page. Also there, you can see photos from each stop of the roadshow. A big component of the marathon typically is costumes. People dress up, people play out scenes. Uh, it's fantastic. And to scratch that itch this year, the Winery Association held a virtual costume and skit contest with participants sending in photos of their own lovingly crafted, high-minded, dazzling, and occasionally terrifying costumes uh, from their own homes. The skit contest was also a real treat with people showcasing their inner drama students through the lens of wine appreciation. The winning entry of the skit contest came from Kayla Bordignon of Uncork BC with her skit video entitled The Beauty and the Beast, Tale as Old as Wine. In the skit, Kayla is resplendent in her yellow Disney princess dress, surrounded by sadly inanimate bottles of wine, and is joined by her schnauzer in a dashing blue jacket as she sings a slightly modified rendition of an old classic. Tale as old as wine Running through vines so green Now these wineries Tasting virtually Thanks COVID-19 You can watch that video and the runner-up entries on the Half Court Marathon Facebook page. Thank you to everyone who has been watching our live virtual Vinstitute broadcasts. I ran one this past Tuesday, which for the very first time ever had a professional videographer behind the scenes and therefore looked absolutely incredible, better than ever. And the next broadcast is going to be Tuesday of next week. That's September 15th at 7pm. We're going to be looking at uh, fortified wines, port wines, which is a, a very cool topic to explore. Lots of neat things to discuss there, so please tune into that. You can find that live through the Oliver Asoyuz Wine Country Facebook page. 7pm Pacific Time sharp. Actually, I shouldn't say sharp. I'm usually like two minutes late. 7.02 Pacific Time. Sharp. To post about this show or the live tastings, use the hashtag UncorkTheSun. This podcast is a collaboration between Oliver Soyuz Wine Country and the Vinstitute Wine School and is released on Friday of every second week. If you have any questions about wine or anything you want to see in the show, please feel free to email me at moss at The music for this episode was provided by Olav. To hear more of his work, visit olav.bandcamp.com. The host has been me, Moss Shirkogel. I took a break from recording this episode a few minutes ago to check my work emails, and I saw that a winery customer who I'd been exchanging emails with had sent me a message saying, Hey, wait a minute. You're that guy from the podcast I listened to. So hi, Nicole Gordon. Now you're on the podcast too. Sort of. Whether you are experiencing the beauty of Oliver Asoyuz wine country from the comfort of your home or whether you're planning a trip there for the future, we cannot wait to raise a glass with you and uncork the sun together. <laughs> <laughs>